0: Take your seats. Good morning, everyone. So good to see you. You would expect me uh, now as uh, the pastor to begin to share some kind of direction and so on Uh you're in. And um, over the next few weeks and months, I'm going to be doing that, the way, where we kind of begin to rally around, come some fresh ideas and some vision and so on. And, but really what I want to say to you is that The discipleship pathway, the heart of discipleship, is that you become rooted, growing, and fruitful. Those three words have got to, in a sense, sit in your heart, because that will be uh, the watchword for our discipleship, that we are rooted in Christ. That we are rooted in love. And today I'm going to talk a little bit about being rooted in the church. Now later on I'm going to ask you ask you, ask you to hold your phone up to a QR code and say this is my church and fill a little form in. And lots of people, uh, I'm going to tell you several times about it, because lots of people today, they're not sure they want the commitment, they want options. How many of you go to Tesco and you just love it that there are a hundred types of bread White granary, Norwegian spelt bread, this bread, that bread, that the other bread. When I grew up, there was basically white and brown, thick or thin sliced. But we want options today. But actually, it's really important for our protection and love that we learn rootedness. While the world is blowing a wind right now, we need to be rooted in certain places. But you know, when we talk about the church, we, we narrow it down to small ideas, to our little construction of it. I'm sure you don't do that, but often it is. And so before we get into this kind of you know, technical look at the church, can I remind you of what the Hebrew writer wrote about you coming to faith? This is what he said. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. Do you realize that we have a whole angelic choir joining with us today? You have come to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven how many of you got a car agreement, a house agreement, an insurance agreement, something where you've had to sign your name on your passport or something like that? Can I tell you that your name is signed somewhere else that you haven't seen yet, but that's the most important signature that will ever be? Your name is written in the book of life. What an amazing thing. You haven't just come to church. You've come to a sense in which we will have eternity before us. You've come to God, the judge of all, the spirits of the righteous made perfect. You've come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. And I pray that God will speak to you today and that you will say, "I'm, I'm not refusing I'm open. Why don't you speak that to yourself right now? I'm, I'm not refusing. You know, if you turn with me to Corinthians, uh, try and follow along in your Bible today, either your book or your device. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. Uh, they're amazing verses. And it, it's all really about how we are connected. And we're connected to Jesus, but in some way connected to the other. Listen to what it says. For just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of the body, though they are many, are one body. So it is also in Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, we were given one spirit to drink. There's no preference Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. Somehow the Bible describes that we are many and yet we're this one. But this one does not so uh, move away your individuality so that you just become a, a part of a conglomerate that isn't recognizing your perfect identity. If you go over to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 12 verse 5 puts it in this way, in the same way. In the same way that Christ gave lots of gifts. In the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members, now here's a phrase, of one another. You belong to me, I belong to you. In some sort of healthy uh, way, God has said, look, you didn't just come to Jesus, I, you, you came to us too. I don't know about you, but how many of you feel like you fell in love with a person and you married a family? <laughs> I'm not saying that negatively. <laughs> but you love that girl, and you've got a mother-in-law, a brother-in-law, a father-in-law. You've got some cousins. You've got a family that you never knew about. Now, I'm saying that's a good thing. But basically, the principle is you come to an individual and then you get a group. You've come to Jesus and you get a family. We can come to Jesus and we can be rooted in him and we love that. Uh, We can be rooted in him as a person, but the scriptural idea and the Bible idea is that we're also come to him and we get connected to a family. Ephesians 5 uh, verse 30 says, since we are members of his body, we become something about him but connected to others, we're actually spiritually connected. It's almost like—do you know the word fusion—that we're fused together in the, in the church. Uh, Paul said it in the scripture we read earlier. He says, "For we all were baptized by one Spirit." The Holy Spirit comes along picks up your life, washes your life, cleans your life, and then puts you and says, I now immerse you into my people. I baptize you into the body of Christ. It's like it's a spirit baptism into a family. And and for some people who are a little bit uncomfortable about crowds or you might have a sort of personality that's a little bit distant from people, today you're going to have to overcome that and hear what the Spirit is saying to your heart. We are members spiritually and we have to work this out practically and realistically. There are some people that if you open the church doors seven days a week, they'll be here seven days a week. Ephesians 4.25 says, we are members of one another. But we've got to work it out what it really means for us spiritually, practically, realistically. We have to work it out authentically what our relationship is with the church. The Bible talks about us being a called out assembly and ecclesia. We're called out from the world, but we're assembled together together. And it really implies that there's real connection of, of feet and proximity, uh, that we actually are together. And, and we love our online audience, and we, we want you to stay connected with us, but we would invite you always to connect with us physically and in reality as well. Ephesians 2 verse 19 says it this way, So then, you're no longer foreigners. You know, people, people say about foreigners, oh, they don't really belong here. Can I just say, you belong here. You're not a foreigner. And now Kathy's told me, off oh, for, for us, uh, always turn to your neighbor. So I'm going to try and control myself. But can you turn to your neighbor and just say, you're not a foreigner? <laughs> and then the Bible goes on and says, listen, Norwegian people, you're not a foreigner here. You're not on Norwegian ground. You're not on British ground. You're on kingdom ground. We're not foreigners here. And then the Bible goes on and says, you're not strangers. Don't be a stranger. But we are fellow citizens with the saints, members of God's household. That implies proximity. That implies togetherness. We have to come to a grown-up relationship with the church, a mature relationship with the church, which means something to our lives. That Actually, you begin to say, my church means something to me. It, it means something to me. I, maturely, I care about it. That I care about the people. But it's a healthy connection. It's a connection where you get fed. It's a connection where... You're a blessing and get blessed by other people's lives. It's not a heavy connection or a controlling connection. We need to get to the place where we confess, this is my spiritual home. That's where we need to get to. Now, I apologize. We've only been here a year and some of you put so much time in that I feel like I kind of need to beg your grace to speak like this, but I need to speak it into the life of the church. So will you give me grace for those of you who've been here since Noah's Ark? (laughs) We need to get to that place where we confess, this is my spiritual home. Now, home is where you are fed. Home is where you share relationships. Home is where you share respect. Home is where you love people. Home is where you take some responsibility for the upkeep of the home. Home is where you have well-being. Home is not a hotel where you come and somebody makes your bed for you and does everything for you. Oh, nobody said amen. (laughs) There is no doubt in the Scriptures that God wants you planted now, we talk about, Lord, give me wings so I could fly. Okay, and we could use different meta- metaphors. But you know, this world is so unrooted and drifted and, and pushed around by every wind of doctrine and, and tossed about, whatever metaphor you use. But in Isaiah 61, verse 3, it says this. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Here's the teaching that you need to catch. God wants you planted in his church so that he can display how splendorous and how splendid and his splendor through you to the world. Just being your individual self doing your thing, you're like a little spark but come and be part of a fire that God can say, look what I can do in the world. Claude F. and Andrew and I were at a a kind of course, as I mentioned earlier, and um, uh, the, the pastor there pointed out to us that it's through the church that God shows how wise he is. In Ephesians it says that God shows his manifold wisdom through the church. If you want people to know how wise God is, you have to have an authentic and rooted relationship with the church. Here's another scripture for you. In fact, I'm going to read this over you as a promise. Psalm 92, verses 12 through 14. The righteous will flourish. Sounds like a great name for a women's ministry, Kath. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Or oh, you know a cedar of Lebanon? They used to build houses out of it. In fact, they built temples out of it. In fact, it was a resource that was very rich. How many of you want to be that kind of, Ooh, I'm a cedar. I'm a Lebanon cedar. I'm not some twig blowing about in the wing. I'm a cedar of Lebanon. Ah, you didn't get that. But anyway, you need to read your Bible background history. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree and they will grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will bear fruit into their old age. Come on, everybody who's over 50, come and say it. And they will stay fresh and green. Oh, turn to somebody and say, fresh and green, everybody. Come on. I'm finished now, Kathy, with the turn to your neighbor, I pray. If I start a Christian shampoo or soap company, I'm going to call it Fresh and Green. Who's buying it? Come on, let's do it. There is no doubt that God wants you planted, rooted in his church. And we don't get it right all the time, we, 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 we do make uh, kind of adjustments as we go, and we learn as we go. Not that it's by trial and error. It, it isn't like that, but we all grow in our experience how to make church a better place. I, if you know me, you know that I am an expert lawn layer. Do you know what I mean by a lawn? You know that green thing you have on the ground? I know in London, with all the concrete, you're not sure what lawn is. You know, it's <laughs> manicured grass. I've laid several lawns in every place I've lived, but the way I learned to lay a lawn was a disaster. In my first time I was laying a lawn, uh, I was digging down to dig up the the, uh, the old grass and so on, and uh, my cable to my TV, my t- telephone, was laid across the lawn. I cut the cable. Kathy was on the phone and she suddenly went dead. I had to get the cable company to come back and relay it. And then as I was clearing away the stones, I, I flicked a stone. It hit my front window and cracked the front window. It was a good job that we were having new windows a few weeks later. But then if you lay a lawn, once you've got it down, you put it down, it's all level and everything. You have to water it. If you lay a lawn, three tips here for your gardening expertise. You have to water it every day for at least two weeks. You've got to water it. Can I ask you, church, are you being watered? You're not going to grow if you're not being watered in the spirit. You have to water it, water it, water it, even when you think it's too much. And I ordered a new host pipe uh, system from, uh, well, it was Amazon, but there are other delivery companies just for those people who want to know that. And uh, it, I bought the exact same system as my neighbor. And so, because he, he, he'd let me use his, his host pipe. So uh, it came... And you know what? I couldn't work out the instructions. So I, I turned the water out and poured, brought it into my living room. and said, ah, that's how it goes. And I copied it, put mine on. And then and then I went to the back of the house uh, where it was connected to the tap. Uh, where the water was, And I thought, oh, yeah, that's how it goes. And so uh, at the back of the house, I thought, oh, I need to turn the water on. I turned the water on and I forgot I'd left the house pipe in my living room. <laughs> So I started watering my front room carpet. I walked in. I went, "Oh no, oh no!" Now this story will play out in many ways, but I'm just wondering if you're watering in the wrong places in your life. But that's just the side spiritual thing. So I turned, ran back, turned the water off, and then to try and get it all. Oh, I had to. I got towels. It was everything. And, and then in the end, I, it was it was so wet in there. I got out the hair dryer. Kathy's only hair dryer, and I was going like this. Just at that time, I was going trying to get it dry. The telephone rings. It had been repaired after I cut the cable. The telephone rings, and it's one of my congregation members who was really upset. So I've got hair dryer in one hand, and hair dryer in my ear. The other hand, you know, just really upset about it. So I, I don't know why I did this. I put the hair dryer down, and because I couldn't hear. So. The hairdryer's going, the hairdryer sucks a piece of plastic into the intake, so it gets hotter and hotter, and it blows a blue flame as I'm on the phone. So I said, God bless your sister. I really praise Jesus oh, really just really I put the phone down. And then so we've got blue smoke, there's towels everywhere, it's wet. And I look through the front window and Kathy comes on the driveway in the car. <laughs> And I can't tell you the rest of the story. But just to say, there is always forgiveness in the house for those who want to love each other. The thing about it is, you may say, what's the point of this story? The moral is, we're trying to build church... When there's lots of other stuff going on in your life. There's loads of other competing agendas. There's lots of things that is, is coming to you. I've set my phone off because I'm doing that film. And uh, when we try and build church in amongst everything else, there are times when we have to regroup, relearn and do things now we're not doing it by trial and error, but there's a lot going on in your life. And when you hear messages like this, please ask the Holy Spirit right now to almost protect your heart from saying, oh man, not just one other commitment, I've got so much on my heart right now. Because actually being rooted in the, in the house of God means that you can display the splendor of God. We don't get everything right the first time. But it doesn't mean to say we can't learn to do it. And we're not doing everything by trial and error. Let me share with you some of the things that the Bible says that are clear from the Scriptures of why we need to be rooted in church and how we can be rooted in church. The first thing is we need to be rooted because unity is a spiritual principle. When we align together, we push back darkness. Darkness it's a really important principle that when you're not unified and rooted in the house and you kind of do your own thing, actually you give an opportunity for darkness to come into not just the church, but in your life. Paul, writing to the Corinthians, he, he said to the Ephesians, by the way, from him the whole body is joined and held together. There's no question that we're supposed to be together. But when he wrote to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10, he said this, Anyone you forgive, I also forgive them. And what and what I have forgiven, if there's anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. Now, why is Paul talking about this forgiveness? Because in verse 11 he says, In order that Satan might not outwit us, for we're not unaware of his schemes. The enemy wants to build into your life grudges so that He can have more sway in your life. We've got to learn that in everything that's going on, we have to learn to live together in a way that's authentic. And unity means we are getting closer. We don't always get it right. Second thing is, we need to be rooted in the church because as we learn covenant relationships... Those relationships where, even when it's difficult, we work through them, we grow. There are some people that they never grow because they've always got shallow relationships in their life. There's never a difficult conversation or they're always unfriending people in reality. Amos put it this way, the prophet, Do two walk together unless they've agreed to do so? Let me show you a little picture. Me and my I took my grandson uh, just put a picture of my new friend uh on the screen. I, me and my grandson went to a farm and we were feeding a llama. And uh please take the scripture off there because I don't want a covenant relationship with a, a llama. And we were feeding the llama, and my little Ben, he's only, you know, he's nearly four. It was his fourth birthday. And I'm saying, Ben, don't worry. Don't worry, Ben. We, we, we can feed the llama. The llama's nice. And when we were feeding the llama, he puts his nose in there, and he's enjoying it. And I almost felt like he was smiling at us. I'm saying, look, Ben, you don't need to be afraid. You don't need to be afraid. I said, look, let's have a selfie with him. Okay? One Ten seconds after this selfie, this llama lifts his head, he spits on me. Ben, my four-year-old, goes, "Granddad, he's dangerous. And he runs off. And I'm going, I have never had llama spit on me. Kathy, she doesn't want to kiss me for a day or so. She's thinking, I hope you'll wash it. But here's the truth of it. Some people, when you're feeding them, when you're doing what they want, they're fine. But once you stop doing what they want, they're not fine. Don't be a llama. Can I do turn to your neighbor and say, don't be a llama? Kathy says no, okay. Can you just nudge somebody and just at the side of your mouth say, don't be a llama? You know... We have got to be in more deeper relationships than that. Covenant is not locked in, but it is not easily broken. So please don't hear, oh, if I commit to this church, it's covenant, it means I can't ever do anything else. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying let's have relationships where they're not easily broken. We need to be rooted because it's a witness to the world that sees the love that we have. Jesus put it this way, a new commandment I give to you, in Latin, annoios mandatum. You know, a, a new commandment I give to you, love one another. They hadn't had a commandment to love one another, but now the issue of love becomes a command under Jesus. It's not all about touchy-feely, it's a, hey, how are you going to love? Because I've commanded you to do it. And love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. How did Jesus love each other? He gave himself for each other. And then, so this, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. It's not by our great worship, although our worship is great. It's not by good teaching. It's not by just uh, facilities. It's how you love one another. That's how the world knows that Jesus is alive. You cannot love one another if you're not rooted in the church. It's a witness to the world. And we need to be rooted and are rooted because it offers protection to us. Writing to the uh, the Ecclesiastes says this, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity the one who has no one to help them up. The church, when you're rooted in it, becomes a protection from isolation. The church, when you're rooted in it, becomes a protection from deception. This week I was sent a prophecy that somebody wanted me to check me out, and we went through it, and we were able to kind of point some things of why that wasn't appropriate for that person. Being in relationship means that you can protect from deception, and also there's a protection over your ministry when you're rooted in the church. And I want to just say just just a few closing thoughts of how to be rooted in the church. And in a few moments, I'm going to ask phone. Ask you to. I'm going to ask your phone uh, to talk to you. I'm going to get you to lift your phone up. I want you to. Put your phone on a QR code. And, and Norwegian people, you can do this too. And fill a little form out and we'll send you stuff. And But here's how. Here's how. Don't put it on just yet. Just leave it off the screen, Techo team. Just for a minute. Thank you. If, if we're going to be rooted in the church, we have to move our language from... That church, you know people talk about, say, oh, that's that church over there. And often you might catch yourself saying, oh, I wish the church would do this. But you've got to move your language to my church. I wish my church would do this. I wonder if my pastor would do this. Oh, I'm going to call my church. So you've got to move your language to, so I wonder if this is my church. Now we've got, we've got some guests in today, but actually apply this to your church. After you leave today, give your pastor a little hug and say, Ooh, I love my church. It'll make him feel good. I don't know whether you do that in Norway, actually, uh, whether you're touchy-feely like we are, or like I am. If you're going to root yourself in the church, you need to receive the words that you leave here here as your primary teaching base. It's not that we can't listen to others. It's not that we can't receive from others. But we need to make this the place, our primary place of receiving that sets the course of places in our lives. Why well, don't I say that? Let me prove this to you from Scripture. Now, understand, in the Bible, they didn't have internet or telephones and things like that. That, that was not what they had. But understand how harder it was for them to apply this when they had to walk miles and read letters. But listen to what Paul says. Philippians 4 verse 9, he says, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put that into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. There is something about having a primary teaching base. You now I love... Uh, getting online and watching T.D. Jakes. Oh, you know, he's so good, isn't he? Do do you know who T.D. Jakes is, anybody? You know? Oh, don't you just love it when he gets excited and he gets his hanky out? I would love to do that. I just don't sweat as much as he does. You know, I love that. I just love it. He makes some points sometimes and I think, God, that's unfair. Why didn't I think of that as a preacher? you make some really great points and you might have your favorite teacher but let me tell you something when you're in hospital T.D. Jakes isn't coming to see you we are hello T.D. Jakes isn't coming to see you our cell group leaders are our pastoral staff are I am we are we are family here We need to make this your primary teaching base, because this is setting the direction for where we are going for our mission in our city. To be rooted, now you've got to stay with me. Last few minutes, we're coming into land, but this is a really important part. To be rooted, you need to develop authentic discipling relationships, and you can de. Uh, develop those relationships in five important environments. We have G- Jesus. He, he would speak to crowds. He, he would have gatherings. He would speak to crowds. Jesus walked around with a, a smaller group of men and women. He, that was his, his group. Uh, he also gave himself and said, I've come so I can give myself. And he also gave us gifts, but also he displayed lots of gifts. And then at the end of his life, he said to us, uh, sorry, as he resurrected, he said, go into all the world. There are five discipling environments that you need to give yourself to. And I'll preach more on this, but I'm just going to say them. Gatherings, groups, giving, gifts, and going. Now, there are some amongst you, you love our gatherings. Oh, I just love, you know, Marenica up here saying, lay away the devil. And you don't like our groups. I want to say to you, you need to get in a group. There are some of you who are just so into the group that you're missing out the gatherings. And actually, you need to move to saying, you know what, I received something different in the gatherings. There are some of you that you don't see the value of giving, and I'm not just talking about money, but giving of yourself, giving of of your heart, giving of your gifts. And some of you need to be able to develop your gifts, but then Jesus said, you're not going to be a disciple unless you go. Gatherings, groups, giving, gifts, going. That's how you become a disciple doesn't happen in one of the environments more than it happens in any of the others. I wonder if the worship team will just come because how to be rooted. Let's move towards my church. Let's begin to say, hey, what's my church teaching? Now, listen to other people, that's fine. But what's my church teaching? What, what authentic discipleship relationship do I have where I receive from someone and they receive from me? That's an authentic relationship. I'm receiving and giving. But I want to say to you, there comes a time when you have to say, you know what, this is my church where I want to give my gifts and serve. The Holy Spirit gathers us so we can share gifts and share each other, the Holy Spirit scatters us on mission so that we can win the world. Would you get your phone out? Just get your phone out, just for a moment. Everybody in the house, if you will. And if you've not got one of these phones with a camera on, hmm, that's unusual. But if you've not got that, if you're not used to that, there'll be some QR codes, there's some things. Just put your phone up against the QR code. There's some on the doors around you. and There's a little form there. Even if you're a guest, please do this. We can filter out this data. But as you do that, why don't you just fill the form out and say, this is my church. Now, some of you have given us your data so many times and you're, you're saying to yourself, oh, why have I got to do this again? But actually, I don't want you to think about it. We don't want just your name and address. I'm just wanting you to have a moment where you say, in reality, this is my church. Everybody in the balcony. This is my church. I wonder if you just put your hand over your heart and just say, this is my spiritual home. You know, it's lovely to see people helping each other with the technology. How's it going? Some of you are struggling, I know. You can do it a bit later. But this is my church. Now, we're not signing you up to membership. we're not signing you up to give any money or anything. I'm just saying, sometimes you have to sign up for it to be real. You have to begin to say, "You know what? I want to be counted in." Instead of this cultural buffet bar of, "I'll come when I like, I'll, you know I'm in and out," but actually, even if you can't come every week, I wonder if in your heart you can move to say, I need to get rooted and planted in the house of the Lord. I'm going to tell you one last story. Would you please stand with me? And you can carry on doing your form thing. Come on, guys. You see, carry on filling it out. That's fine. A very good friend of mine is named Althea Storrid. Althea Storrid is now 87 years old. When Althea Storrid came to the Graham Street Elam Church, she'd already been to several churches. Listen to this, folks, because this is just in one way beautiful and in another way it's really hard for me to even say it. She went to several churches and they said this to her. She was from the island of St. Kitts, St. Nevis, St. Kitts and Nevis, got it right, thanks. And she went to one church and they said to her, she's obviously a West Indian lady with her husband Selwyn, and they said to her, if we let you in here, then we'll have more like you and everybody will be like you. I can't even say the words I find that hard to say out loud she went to another church and they said basically the same thing oh you can't come in here this is for us folks never let that ever be said here we cannot have that so Althea Storrid went to the Graham Street Elam Church and it was a white Pentecostal church white working class church I've seen a picture of KT that uh, Sister Ruth Ann Canning showed me. And very similarly, this church was the same. But you know what they said and this church said? You can come in here. We welcome all nations in our church. Yeah, come on. It's worth a clap offering to the Lord. So Althea Star had said to me, you know what, Pastor Mark? I decided to do one thing. Those church let me in, so you know what I did? I owned that church. This became the ownership of my church. She served in every department. She taught every Sunday school class. She sang in the choir. She cleaned the church. She raised in the youth group. She went on every women's trip. She owned the church because she said, this is my place and my place to live. Now, we've also, lots of us have got busy lives, busy jobs, but ownership is not about how much you do. Alfie was in a different state. Ownership is about your heart. Now, standing here on our first anniversary, again, please give me grace. Some of you have owned this place far more than we have, and we know that. But, you know, in the Old Testament, every single year at Passover... They had to renew their covenant to say, I belong. And I'm saying to you today, this is my church. This is our church. We love you. How about you? Kathy, can I do one more more time? Could you turn to somebody and say, this is my church? Now, you can't tell a lie in church. If you just said, This is my church, this has to be your church. And I know our Norwegian folks, you could say, Well, this is my church in a general way, but our church is at home, but we are together. That would be a long thing. Holy Spirit. Sign up on a QR code. It's not about us just getting your data. It's about you saying, you know what I can do there. This is my church bit, but this is something practical that I need to do.